Welcome everyone. I hope this is a welcome occasion. Make it welcome. Yeah. Recollect the benefits and the uh, authenticity of what we're uh, cultivating, um, which go beyond circumstance. This is a pretty timeless scenario. You're all familiar with retreat formats, uh, training rules, restraint, uh, very situation here physically you're familiar with. So that's all. Yeah. And you come down to this timeless quality of cultivation. A chance to more fully purposefully engage with something more than just a passing circumstance, but the uh, roots of man's mental behavior, the patterns, the psychologies, the attitudes, the uh, hindrances, and the enlightenment factors. This is our, this is our domain. And cultivating in a way that uh, through looking into and discovering the roots of these uh, negative and positive forces we can keep tapping into those roots as we cultivate as we go through our day so actually our behaviours our strategies our mannerisms our lifestyle even our physical circumstances are all in line and nourished by this uh, cultivation. It's not separate. So, in some ways, we do separate from circumstance really to reset, you know, uh, because carelessness, heedlessness, confusion, uh, miss, you know, things happen. And we need to go back, purify, simplify, straighten, and then. You know, get the refreshment of skillful factors and the confidence that the accessibility to skillful factors provides. And then also to be practiced with this, then being able to bring touch into this as we act and speak, as we review our karma, our lives, our actions body, speech, mind, even our physical circumstances as to what's suitable, what's not suitable, what is finished now, what is the new growth now. And so integrating it all. Like when you clean a house, first of all you clean out and then you put the furniture in that you need. So a house, a dhamma, a dhamma dwelling, you see the different mandalas, different um, reference points for those uh, where we live. So I sometimes use the five, five indriyas, five balas, the indriyas, the support faculties, which become strengths, indriyas, support faculties, and they mature into strength, bala. So the same factors. Um, 
Faith, Sada, Virya, energy, Sati, mindfulness, Samadhi, collectedness or concentrated state, concentrated mind, and Banya, discernment, understanding, wisdom. And those are pretty stock translations that do a reasonable job. But naturally they're words, so we want to touch into the experience. Uh, and so in Kamatana, in proper meditation, in proper uh, bhavana, you gain faith in some of the concepts, and then you try to really feel them directly. And this act of deepening, feeling directly, is uh, called jhana. Um, means... Uh, again, this is a word that can be translated as meditation or absorption, but I would suggest the overarching meaning of it is a, a full, skillful engagement with the mind in this way. Kind of like one is secluded from unskillful states, one is really getting on to the, to the job and skillfully engaged with it. And so then the... Uh, quality of this is you don't just have it in your mind, in your head, but you have it almost a bodily quality to it. You can feel your energies steady up. You can feel your uh, nervous system steady and soothed and strengthened. You can feel yourself almost physically uplifted. You you straighten up. Um, And of course there's an emotional or heart quality to that. If you're calmed, cooled, steadied, uh, purposeful. And then there's the understanding, mental aspect of that. You see clearly. It's linking up these three areas. Gaya, citta, vaji, gaya, body. Citta, heart, mind. And vajra, thinking mind. So you've got the whole... You know, the full, full presence of what, loosely speaking, constitutes your intelligence. Bodily intelligence, pretty reflexive, gut knowledge, heart intelligence, and thought intelligence. And you want all those three. So things you really know in your guts, you know in your marrow. And so something in you becomes strong and steadied. As you know in your heart, you feel yourself uplifted, encouraged, inspired, repelling unskillful states, disgusted by them, not interested in them. There's an emotional shift, if you like, and your thinking is clear. You can put down markers, don't bother with that, that's enough of that. So you deepening, this is the process of deepening integration, jhana, um, that uh, purifies. These factors can be seen uh, sort of in various stages, initial stage, uh, working stage and the completion, the initial stage of faith. Sadha means you get a sense of, you see something, you hear something, it says, oh, there's something better than this, there's something better than just getting by. There's something better than just waiting for the future to happen. 
There's something better than just following what, what the mainstream does. There's got to be something better. You know, and that can be, you hear a teaching, you see a person, the sign of faith. You know. oh. yeah. And uh, also, the uh, part of this is the, the recognition of the dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness of just rumbling along, doing the habitual, following one's habitual attitudes or socialized conventions. You think, this is going nowhere useful. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a stepping out quality, sometimes. You step out of mainstream or, or you know, you step out of the purely learned, personal, social, social person. And so this then factor becomes strong for someone who has entered the stream. Their sadhana has become fully established. They have completely stepped out of the stream of the person. They, they can witness it experience it, but they're no longer swept along in it. So it's Sada, the voice of another, somebody else's message you see for yourself, and it establishes um, right view. You see there's definitely things you can do that will give good results, and things you can refrain from doing that will give good results. No longer just guesswork. When you really know that, see, you're often working with this because one does get confused, one does get disappointed. You know, people you felt good with, you don't feel so good with, um, situations challenging your faith and goes down. You know, but uh, when you really work with it, your faith eventually becomes established. Uh, beyond circumstance. When the place is good, the people are good, the agile is grumpy, food is terrible, <laughs> it doesn't destroy your faith. Uh, this is so important because uh, <laughs> some of these can happen while we feel sick. Yeah, when the mind gets overwhelmed with hindrances, we get we feel sick and tired or Circumstances become oppressive. This is why uh, it's important to acknowledge when faith has declined. Without faith, you can't really get the rest going. If faith has declined, you need to recollect internally, <laughs> recollect externally. You know, seek advice. Uh, so something. Oh yes. Oh, that's just that. And so often that advice is all that, all that stuff that's so you, that you feel so stuck in and oppressed by. That's not you, that's just stuff that everybody has. Oh, you know, just stepping out of the personal. You know, just to get perspective on it. Everybody gets annoyed, everybody gets upset, everybody gets feeling treated unfairly, everybody feels they're doing too much, everybody feels... Why me? <laughs> At times, it's just that. That's called a conditioned habit, or sankara, mental sankara. And you want to see these, because these are the sankaras, these mental sankaras, very much, if they're not seen clearly, become myself. 
and probably some of them have become myself for a long time. They're pretty firmly established as myself. You know, my position, my attitudes, my, uh, it's not fair, my, why do I have to, my, who does she think she is, you know, kind of authority figures and all this stuff going on. It seems so convincing. When the Sankara rises, it colours the world around you and you get confirmed in it. So very important. As you cultivate to begin to understand Sankara, uh, actually the bodily aspects, heart aspects and conceptual aspects, so very much in line with one's intelligence, one's intelligence becomes Sankara. And it's very intelligent. You get all kinds of statistical reasons why this is that and that's that, and it should be this and it's never that, and I can't do this. And, and, and then, but what you do know is, this is suffering. Oh yeah. Oh. It's creating conflict. Oh. Yeah. It means I have a sense of ill will or towards myself or towards others. Oh yeah. That means it can't be right. Oh. <laughs> you know, really intelligence isn't that isn't that complicated? That's why our, our faith is established in Four Noble Truths. Something generates stress, pressure, suffering, uh, you know, then you can tell that's, a, that's something that uh, can be overcome. It's not personal. Creates a person, not personal, but it's a sankara that probably most people have at some time or another. It's like a virus uh, that's causing stress. Therefore, it can't be in line with the indriyas, the factors of awakening. We want to know those. Mm. But they're very powerful, very convincing. We get ditty, powerful views and opinions. Uh, They sound right, they seem right. Maybe they are right in some contexts, but they're not right in this one. You get, you get really fired up, yeah. uh, despond, all kinds of views about yourself being not this and not that, and never this and that, and very convincing. Because for a long time, these have hoodwinked the chitta. For a long time, these have mesmerized, and we've uh, got used to them. Yeah. So, the deepening aspect of sadhana is you don't know who you are. You stop defining yourself. Because the definitions of yourself are the most embedded programs, sankharas. You know, they're not going to get you out. And this is a challenge to not know oneself. Often we know ourselves in not very gratifying ways, rather ignoble ways. But there's something so compulsive, this, this sankara, this conditioned um, program of bhava, becoming, existence. I want to have an identity. Maybe it's a wrong identity, at least I know where I am. Yeah. But what you should know, if your faith is in the Buddha Dharma, this is stress, this is suffering. It can be seen, surmounted, seen through 
discarded and it can it can die out and what's left? well open sense of intelligence is there awareness is there isn't that nagging pressure become something keep defining yourself in the world then your conviction is very fully established but this takes practice it's not just the the sadhar is not just certainly not a belief so the cultivation of right energy energy is like a spark it's a sense of when there's some kind of faith then you realize this sense of oh there's something possible to do you light up you know, maybe just start abstaining from skillful intoxicants or unskillful habits yes, you can do that abstaining from swearing, drinking, smoking, you know, and, and keep remembering that, and when one has cultivated that, also to enjoy that, to feel that sense of freedom, I have been able to do something. So the, the spark has to be kept fanned by remembering, recollecting, yes, this is possible, I am, I am, I have done this, is capable of this capacity, then one's faith is becomes more fully established. And know who you are in that. How you feel in that. How you feel in your, when your virtue is established and your view is straight. So this, in the energy we apply, energy is the, the ability to specifically apply Faith is much more general, but with energy you have a specific application. I can stop that. I can pick up that for a little while anyway. And I can pick it up again. And I can persevere with it for a little longer. And I can put that aside for a little bit. That nagging craving, I just persist with it, eventually it will lose energy. So one has a sense of energy, one has faith in that energy, and you begin to recognize that energy when it's applied specifically and wisely as a result. And the result is you have more energy because your energy is not being used up in fruitless, desultory, discursive behavior. It's focused. Therefore, you're strong. And that strength is so important to build up just the rock bottom resilience, you know, to deal with sickness and confusion and blame and chaos. You know, something's got to be pretty strong. And this is what energy, uh, one factor, one quality, it, it makes possible. The other quality it makes possible is one's mind is held in their energy and gathered in it. And collected it. So, you know, this is through the process of sati, mindfulness. Mindfulness is, is defined, one can remember the meaning of things said and done long ago. You can. So, again, this is 
transpersonal or non-circumstantial, you can still pick up a saying, an event, an inspiration that occurred five years ago. You can pick up your mind, can frame it up, linger in it, and gain strength in it. So this is the initial property of sati. And it's uh, sometimes described as when one's virtue is correct and one's view is straight. So it's a certain ethical foundation. Faith and energy establishing sila, then you can have a proper basis for sati. One's virtue is straight, one's virtue is clear, one's view is straight. There's something purposeful that can arise. This is uh, right view. It starts like that. It's not necessarily limited to just focusing on some kind of meditation point in your body or thought, but the general factor of collecting together, framing up. And what that does is it both solidifies the wholesome because you can't, you've got a reference point you can keep returning the mind to, so it firms up the skillful and it repels, isn't interested, moves away from the unskillful or the unnecessary. So it's both a nurturing and a shield. Sati. And then when it's established, then it can be turned towards specific meditation themes, body, heart, so forth. But the uh, ongoing, having picked up sati mindfulness, the ongoing perseverance with it, is uh, what we call meditation. And so, again, something that's perhaps beyond circumstance or immediate circumstance, just the body, which is circumstantial, but it's a pretty long circumstance. (laughs) So you're with that for a a lifetime, breathing in, breathing out. That's pretty much universal, non-personal. And uh, this establishment of sati is always right there at the beginning of all meditation instructions, or, well, majority, I would imagine. Because it does help to get that grounding gut sense, you know. It's both obvious and it's also the foundation for how one reacts. Threat, desire, run through the body. Fear runs through the body. Hatred runs through the body. Passion runs through the body. Generosity lights up the body. Joy and happiness light up the body in skillful ways. Calm steadies and soothes the body. So your really fundamental roots of mental behavior are embodied. So once we establish that, you can begin to have a very good way of seeing or realizing just these 
arisings of unskillful or skillful qualities before they become enacted in speech, absolutely, <laughs> or thought, <laughs> or even before they take on an emotional uh, um, blossoming, you know. Because once they enter the emotions, they become extremely turbulent. And you get an ill will thing running up into your heart. It can just cascade and be a tempest. And uh, when you catch it, that feeling of dislike, and don't want that. Mm -hmm. Feel that tension, that gripping in the body, that flaring. Okay, let's just... Breathe out, relax the shoulders, the face, the skin, around the head. Oh yeah, it's not agreeable, but I don't have to be infected by it. It's not beautiful, but I don't have to be infected by it. So you catch it before it sweeps into the heart and becomes personal. <laughs> Uh, so important because uh, the more you cultivate that uh, embodiment then you begin to uh, also reveal uh, sources of stress and unwholesomeness that are not apparent such as clinging to views one has a good view good idea this is the way it should be this is right it shouldn't be like this is certainly a familiar and some of suffering. It shouldn't be this way. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, and you feel that one, and you feel it running up, and your face tightens up, and you feel something contracting in your heart, and you feel something in your eyes, and your forehead, and your face begins to tense up, the throat begins to close down, but it shouldn't be this way, it should be that way. Oh, Let's just feel from there, relax for the whole body, breathe out, down to your feet and relax your skin, relax your eyes. And that was a view. Oh, that's what that was. Mm -mm. So a lot can be learned in mindfulness of body. We get defensive, tightening up, defensive, passion arising, reach out, grasp. Mm, there's that one, Sankara. All aimed at preserving me, affirming me making my territory somewhat larger <laughs> and stronger. Uh, we don't realize that suffering. A homeless person has no territory. That's the best. Because uh, they have the Indriya. They live in that domain. They don't need territory. That's, that's the ideal. So you start working with where you, you know, your positions, your territories, your not just physical territories, psychological, comfort zones, all those aspects. And, mm, just stretch, push, 
relax the tightness of the envelope, relax the pressure to more, more places to go, my life is a big could be, relax. Here you are, the suffering seen, the potential for suffering seen. And what happens when that, uh, that perseverance of sati is fully established is the mind collects in itself. It's no longer going out into phenomena. This is samadhi. Now, you know, again, the word concentration is used. It's so standard, it seems pointless to try and create an alternative, confuse people, but certainly it, it's a, a, there's a misapprehension there because uh, very often people say, oh, I can't concentrate on the breathing, I can't concentrate on this. No, you're not supposed to concentrate on the breathing. Well, you're supposed to be mindful of it. And samadhi is when the mind, through that process, is purified to the extent it, it sits in itself, it's, it's collected in itself, it's collected in its knowing, its energies are no longer jangled, saturated with hindrances. It sits in itself, it's consolidated. And that's through the practice of dispelling the hindrances. Yeah. And so what sati does, it, it uh, both nourishes the skillful, uh, conviction, persistence, uh, skillful factors, steadiness, and mindfulness of body. You can really get that running through your nervous system. You can breathe it in and out. So that the energy of the breathing, when it's calm and steady, it saturates the body. Uh, and everything steadies down and if you're in that steady state that restful strong state hindrances have very little access so that's used that term is used in Buddha in the Kayagati Sutta says you know if you have a strong door made of hardwood and you throw a ball of string against it it won't blow open this is someone who has strong sati you can throw rocks and mud at it, the door doesn't blow, it doesn't get knocked open, it's strong. When it's strong, suddenly strong, the mind it sits in itself, in samadhi. And there are various, you know, uh, levels of that, degreeing of how deeply it settles. And then discernment, uh, wisdom, one first of all discerns now, cultivation we discern well this is stressful this is suffering this is a way out here that's not suffering you get that some degree of it this is stressful this is purposeless this is useful and then skillful unskillful this is why it's uh, Stressful, skillful, unskillful factors, skillful factors. Well, you're really learning that right at the cold face of your own intelligence. 
it's got cramped, distorted, wrong view, wrong psychology, confused sankara. This is skillful, this is unskillful. And deep penetration of wisdom, we begin to understand more completely path and the fruit. Yeah. Way to the liberation and the unconditioned nibbana. Uh, so that's uh, like an overview, and it, the end states of these are all pretty impressive. And you think, well, I can't do that, and it's far beyond me. No, I'll just go back and you start to moderate because these, these factors, these five injuries, they're always possible to some degree, and you start to measure and place where they are possible and just keep staying with that and getting that into your system and they will naturally increase and strengthen. So it might, you know, as we're cultivating in this particular week or so, a sense of, yeah, cultivation, meditation, Silent, restrained retreat, yeah. Up for that. Could be a bit of a struggle, but it's useful. When there's some confidence in it. Um, you begin to review stuff you want to put aside, let go of, either temporarily or permanently, best you can, and you apply energy to that. Such energies you have. And it will increase because the more that you put aside what's just not even necessary, not necessarily bad, it's just not needed, more your energy is fine-tuned and it's more fine-tuned, it will strengthen. And uh, that's uh, in its own time. And in the fullness of this, this is not a three-minute job. It takes time for the, the time of the body. Embodied time isn't the same as clock time. So you can spend a morning, afternoon, a day just coming through, letting your system come through its whatever it's been through, its jangledness or its oppressedness or its whatever. Just, just staying with your sadha. This is useful. You know, everybody's been through this. There is a way beyond this. You know, you look in the suttas, you see people who are definitely in bad state, sick, dying, raped. You know, and they can do it. <laughs> you, know, you know, they had no choice. They had they had to work with it. And so often in our situation in this day and age, is we keep creating options. Could be better. I don't have to. Could be somewhere else. And this is a. Uh, it's understandable because that's what our society is, is based upon option fever. Yeah. So it just. It's a subtle thing. Well, it's very convincing and very ingrained. So. You know, cultivation of narcissism or summoner dhammas 
we recollect the people who lived at the foot of a tree had zero option. You know, the people who were on their deathbed had zero option. And they're in there. And because of that, because they were had zero option, they focused. There was nowhere else to go. Therefore their energy was consolidated. It was never never certain there's gonna be another day. So the energy was consolidated. There was no sense of I've got doors, like you know, in a car. Therefore, the energy was consolidated. They just ought to be where they are. And you know, you think, well, that sounds tough, and it is tough, but it's also, yeah, that's where it came from. It came from the no option tribe, who just went out there, not knowing. We know too much, perhaps. We have too much. At least, you know, this is where we are now. So, I like some central heating, certainly. Uh, having food, that's good for me. So, okay, well, sadhu. Blessed, I'm blessed, I'm privileged. Let me therefore use that incredibly fortunate situation, enjoy it, rejoice in it, and get my energy behind that, you know, rather than use it up and proliferate about what else I could be doing. And so we, what faith helps to consolidate your energy? What recollections? No, mindfulness, you choose that which is skillful and supports right view and you place your, use that as your foundation for mindfulness. So if your recollection of the preciousness of the occasion, the privilege of the occasion, put your sati there, your mindfulness there, the view straightens up. Your view straightens up. It's not about Amravati or Bratanagiri. This is about now. You have so many breaths left in your life. You don't know how many. Nobody knows. Here you are. Therefore, what in this situation can you let go of? What in this situation can you focus on? Then you've got your sati is in use purposefully. And that will there's where samadhi will arise from that, the mind being Ekagata, single, one-pointed, not on a particular object, but one-pointed, its aim and purpose and sense of uh, view.
So when that's there, the Buddha says, then the, the fevers and trembling, the anxieties of the household life dissolve. The life of circumstance and getting by. Therefore, then you pick up sati and you point it directly to body, mind, roots of your mental behavior, dispelling of sankharas, the relinquishment of acquisitions, dispassion, destruction of craving, ceasing, nibbana. And this is possible. So, let's take the opportunity that has come our way. I think be incredibly privileged by that in this world which is crazier and sicker than ever in some respects. You know, and we are living in a brosial dwelling. <laughs> so now is the occasion for us to do um, um, practice in silence.